love and compassion will always win out over anger and fear. Love and compassion will always win out over anger and fear. That is indisputable. The sun is coming up, are you ready to go? We can take a ride, we can take it slow, yo. It's your boy Paul Fishman, self-love coach and you-do-you activist, excited to welcome you on the road to self-love. Each week I'm going to be joined by a very special guest in my car as we travel literally and figuratively on the road to self-love. We're going to have very candid conversation about life, self-love, business, and so much more, all with the goal of giving you the tools that you need to learn how to love yourself unconditionally. I hope you're ready, so let's get buckled up because here we go. I've got a question for you. Do you know what self-love means to you? I'm not talking about what self-love means to me or any of my guests. I'm talking about what does self-love mean to you? Well, let me help you out if you're having trouble. The word self is defined as individual. You know your individuality, who you are. And love is devotion. So it's you getting devoted to your individuality. So if you're still having a hard time like figuring out who you are as an individual, like outside of work, family, friends, like who are you? Well, guess what? You are not alone. And because so many people just like you are having a hard time defining self-love for themselves and more importantly, what brings them true happiness in their life, I've created a virtual community called self love on demand and within this community you can join me anytime day or night and learn tools that are going to support you unlocking your truest self and once you unlock your truest self you know what you are going to unlock your best life happiness joy and really your dreams so if this sounds like something that excites you, I do not want you to miss out because the doors to self-love on demand are opening very, very soon. And all you have to do to get on the wait list is join me at www.selfloveondemand.com. That's selfloveondemand.com. Enter your email address and you will be added to the wait list and the first to be notified when my brand new self-love on demand community opens its doors very, very soon. And believe me, you're not going to want to miss out on this opportunity. So if you're in your car or wherever you are right now, pull on over, <laughs> pull on over and go to selfloveondemand.com and add your name to the list because this is going to be the first step in giving yourself the permission that you so deserve to truly live the life of your dreams. Today's episode was made possible in part by Tablet Hotels. Tablet is literally everything you need for unforgettable travel experiences. All the hotels that matter, effortless online booking at the lowest available prices, and live dependable customer service. You bring a hunger for experience and a taste for the unusual, and they'll take care of the rest. Not only that, but their Tablet Plus membership is the best value in travel. And this is what I'm truly obsessed with. I'm a member of Tablet Plus, And not only do you receive upgrades and privileges at the most extraordinary hotels, like my dad and I did when we were in New York City, but there's literally no limit. Use it as much as you want for whomever you want. You'll also get discounted rates, access to exclusive events, and you still get that dedicated team of travel experts ready to assist you with every step of your journey. Now, if this sounds like something you're into, I have partnered with Tablet to grant you a free 90-day trial of Tablet Plus. All you have to do to redeem it is go to tablethotels.com forward slash promo forward slash self-love to sign up for your 90-day free trial of Tablet Plus. Do not wait any longer to get in on this part of your journey. You are worth it. You deserve it. And you are not alone. 
Oh, hey, self-lovers, it's your boy, Paul Fishman, back again, another Tuesday, another episode of The Road to Self-Love. Now, I am very excited about this episode. It was one of those episodes that I knew I really, really, really wanted to record, but I was kind of scared because I didn't know what would happen. My dad and I just recently took a transformative trip to New York City together. Now, back when I was 10 years old, and you're going to hear this story in a little more detail on this episode. My dad and I went to New York for the first time ever, and it was magical. Now, the significance of New York City, it's not only where my dad grew up, it's not only the place that I fell in love with at the young age of 10 years old, but it's a place that I lived for nearly six years of my life. It's a place that held me when I was going through the ups and downs of coming out of the closet, of really coming to terms with my sexuality, and most importantly, of just finding who I truly was as an individual. It was the start of my self-love journey, was really that pivotal moment when I decided to say yes to myself instead of living in fear of what others were going to think of me. On today's episode, I am welcoming my dad, Jay Fishman, onto the road to self-love. And not only do we talk about our trip to New York, which was really powerful because we went on a Beyond Stonewall tour. And if you're not familiar with Stonewall, Stonewall was kind of the first uprising of the LGBTQ plus community. It was a time when we no longer were willing to just stand back and let our lives be dictated. So we rose up in New York City at the Stonewall Inn, which is where this tour took place. So I want you to give yourself permission to enter into this episode with an open heart, because this is really a story of how I came out and how my father received and accepted me. It didn't happen overnight. And there's a really potent part of the story where we talk about the church and religion and and how that affected me and how it affected my dad and how it affected our relationship. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode and I'm really excited to have a conversation about this episode. It's my hope that this will not only give you permission to step outside of yourself and realize that who I love and, and who people in your life love who might not love the same way that you love that has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with that person feeling honored and valued by themselves and that's truly what self-love is right it's an opportunity to say yes to yourself regardless of whether or not you might be ostracized you might be told you're wrong by a lot of people self-love is permission to just be you and love you no matter what. So I really welcome you to DM me on Instagram at Paul Fishman. Share this episode with families that have struggled with sexuality. Share this message with your friends who have struggled coming out to their family. Share this message with somebody who needs to not feel so alone. Because it wasn't always rainbows and butterflies with my parents and my family and the church when I came out. So I, I really, truly invite you, take a screenshot of this, share it on Instagram, tag me at Paul Fishman and at The Self Love Show. And maybe even consider following my dad at Fishman J. So without further ado, I ask you to open your heart, open your soul, give yourself permission to step into a very vulnerable conversation between my father and I about coming out and what it was like to be a parent of someone in the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get buckled up, get ready, because here we go. Welcome back to The Road to Self-Love. It's your boy, Paul Fishman, self-love coach and you-do-you activist here today with a very special guest, my dad. Dad, welcome to the show. Oh my God. (laughs) 
what the heck is taking you so long to put me on the show? You know what? I just wanted to make sure there was enough of an audience to make sure that you got the the star quality that you deserve. Well, now that you framed it that way, you're forgiven. <laughs> okay, should I have waited a little longer? <laughs> you never could tell when I'm going to die, you know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. Well, um, speaking of death... Oh, uh, so that, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so today is a very special episode. We are filming this right at the tail end of our trip to New York City. We went and journeyed to New York to experience Stonewall 50 and the pride celebration of 50 years of LGBTQ plus celebration. So I thought it was going to be, it was just one of the best trips I've ever taken with you, Dad. Like, literally one of the best. And I thought this would be a really great time to just kind of travel down memories lane about me as a young boy and also how it was just being a parent to someone who is a member of the LGBTQ plus community. So before we do that, outside of being my dad, which I think is just like fame enough, I, I would love to for you to introduce yourself a little bit, like who you are, what, what what are your main tenets in life, and all that jazz. Well, before I do that, I have to say, Fame, I'm gonna live forever. Okay, enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so who am I? Um, I was born in Brooklyn. You know, a lot like Neil Diamond, except that I didn't end up like Neil Diamond. And um, always had a pension for happiness, joy, um, expression of um, appreciation for the um, the beautiful things in life: nature, people, me. Uh, <laughs> without saying, you know, I mean, don't make me jump onto you too soon, because man. You know, you asked me to give a little, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. little yeah, bit yeah. about me. Let, I'll let you get back to you. Okay. So, back to me. Um, I, you know, I used to walk around when I was like six, seven, eight years old in our housing project saying, why do we live like this? Why aren't we living closer to nature? Why are we stacked upon each other in this apartment building? And um, certainly as I got older... I still felt that way, but life made it so that, um, you know, I had to participate. You know, if I wanted to have a family, I had to support them in some way. So I had to participate. If, if I was sort of your age now, I'd be doing exactly what you're doing. So to, um, to sort of fast forward a little bit, um, Paul was born October 20th, 1984. Just give away my age like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Famous people need to have a beginning. They and do. one day. Dun, dun, dun. We've been talking a lot about death today, Dad. Yeah. I mean, I need to reel it back a little bit. Real We're back. all about life and love, love and life. Living love your life. best life. Got it. Okay. So... Paul was born, from the moment he was born, he was cute as hell. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, full head of hair. I had a full head. Full head and um, totally ebullient, um, happy, joyful, uh, expressive. He just brought joy into the world immediately. Total joy generator. And um, I, was, I was always very proud of Paul uh, as um, a dad. We would spend a lot of time together. I would, and I noticed that he was sort of a, um, a unique individual. My, my personal beliefs, I firmly believe in reincarnation. I have to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, hopefully that offends no one, but it's a personal belief. And Paul was like some reincarnated royalty. I mean, uh, if he could have 
snapped his fingers at one and a half, he would have been, bring it here. Kind of did that. Bring it here. <laughs> bring it here. Yeah. And, um, and noticing this proclivity, I exposed him to a lot of the finer things in life that the rest of my family members didn't appreciate as much as Paul and I did. We, we kind of got off on going to really fancy five-star restaurants, uh, plays, and other stuff. I'll tell you all a funny story. I took him to New York City when he was 10. And um, it was for New Year's Eve. We just wanted him to experience the sheer magnitude of energy that this place was able to generate. And I had a business thing I had to take care of. So Paul and I had an engagement for a play. It was a matinee. And I didn't know if I was going to get back home in time, to the hotel in time. And I gave him some money and I said, Paul, um, if I'm not back by this time, just go and take a cab and meet me at this place. I was mortified. Why were you mortified? I was terrified. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And um, I, I think I got home and he was curbside. <laughs> uh -huh. I was like waiting for you, crossing my fingers. And he's 10 years old. And um, now there's a select group of viewers who are going to think that, wow, that's irresponsible. Someone could have kidnapped my glamour boy. Matter of fact, we have a picture of him in, a mag in, in front of a glamour magazine wearing sunglasses. And he, he looks like a glamour boy. So um, he, um, it was just like training, you know? Totally like training. The thing about that trip is that I remember getting off of the plane and we were, we stayed in Times Square and we were walking towards the hotel and a gust of wind almost knocked me off of my feet. And it was at that moment looking up at all of the lights and the, all of the beauty that was Times Square that I decided that I was gonna live in New York City one day. Yes. And I did. I did. I really did. So let's like travel back to New York City just a couple of days ago. We were in New York and I thought that it was gonna, it would be this really special time with, because New York City is where I lived when I came out. New York City is a part of both of our lives and it's just always a fun place to go. So the, the main reason that I wanted to have you on the show is because I wanted to get the parents' point of view of experiencing what it's like to have a child come out, which I don't think that we talk about a lot. And I thought you would be a great person to put in perspective because you have just, you have a beautiful way with words and also you have a great way of looking back and in retrospect and understanding maybe the lessons you had to learn or the things you had to go through to get yourself here and now. So I'd love to know, because it was almost nine years ago that I came out for the first time. And when I first came out, because I came out twice, the first time I came out, I came out just to you, dad. We were driving in the car and I was so nervous. And I don't, do you remember that the when I did that? Yes. And what was going through your head when all of that was happening? Well, there's a, there's a perspective here. And the, and the perspective is that certainly it was apparent to those who knew you really well that you had tendencies towards being gay. And the interesting thing was because of our external circumstances, places we lived and, and moved to, you, you did everything within, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, you talked about my um, great verbal abilities. Um, you, you did everything, everything to protect yourself mm -hmm. so that when that flower decided to open, and share its beauty and fragrance with the world. It wasn't gonna get stepped on, mm. okay? Mm -hmm. So you waited to, to a, 
appropriate time. And I think, I think there was a lot of, you know, self-exploration that you wanted to go through to validate that it wasn't just, well, it wasn't just because it was a cool thing to do or, or, or something that you felt you had to do, but something that was who you were, who you were. And that whole process of validation, it was fascinating to watch from the outside. Um, oh, yeah. The, Tell me more about that. Well, you know, the process of validation basically led you to date numerous women who, on the surface, they were all lovely women. However, beneath the surface, they left a void within your heart that you, you could ascribe to the fact that maybe they weren't the one. Like, they weren't the one. None of them were the one. But it, it was easy to see that something else was in play on a, um, on a deeper level, on a core level. That there was, a, there was a harmonic within you that needed a resonance that was not being provided by female companionship. And um, there, there's, you know, there's a, there's a personal thing here that I'd like to interject. It's a, it's a selfish thing, but since we're being talking about sensitive things, um, I've always wanted to have a large and extended family. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul's aware of this. Uh, my other two children are aware of this. And um, for reasons that I don't understand completely, it, it's not happening and it may not happen. And it's something that I've had to come to grips with. And Paul coming out was, you know, a 33% blow to the empire. I know to the viewers are gonna say, no, a lot of gay men, couples have families. There, there's mitigating factors here. Um, and, uh, and I always knew with Paul that when he embraced the larger community, which is the world, that the energy necessary to have a family would be put off to, um, you know, maybe a decade from now. And uh, as you all noticed early in our discussion, I have a, like a morbidity complex. Yes, you do. <laughs> He's, you're going to like live to like you're 100 and, and you're just going to be like, oh, I've still got one foot out the door, son. One foot out. Oh, so there you were and I came out and and it was just, it, it, I, as, and I don't know if I can speak for everyone, I absolutely cannot, but when I came out, there was a part of me that wanted people to be shook, wanted people to be like, no, you're not gay, that, that can't be, but of course, I remember just being like a blip in the conversation. Everyone that I had a conversation with, there was like, okay, great, so what's for dinner? And, and uh, I, I don't know why it was this thing that I really, really wanted. I think that for so long, and a part of my self-love journey has really been stepping away from being a people pleaser and knowing that when I stand in other people's light and try to fulfill their dreams and desires for me, that it never really tends to work out the way that life is meant to, which is just in flow and fun and easy. So the second I came out, you know, it started moving it towards this direction of being fun and and easy and just aligned and and the the story of me coming out and then within weeks losing a, a lot of weight and then the job of my dreams at the time just coming knocking at my door and and finding a community that really connected with me was uh you know really just supported me knowing that I did the right thing now there's another piece that was probably the hardest part for me to come out to the family. And I would love to talk a little bit about what happened with you with regards to the church. And now we grew up 
in Self-Realization Fellowship, which is an amazing church. Like it's a cross between Eastern and Western philosophy and meditation. And I'd really just love to know if it affected me coming out, affected the social circle that you were in with regards to church at all. Okay. Um, this, this is a great question. And um, a little bit about Self-Realization Fellowship or SRF. Um, our founder, Paramahansa Yogananda, came to the West to to spread a scientific methodology of communing with God. Communing with God. And the, the methodology coincides with Christian belief, Buddhist belief, Jewish belief, Islamic belief, and Hindu belief. It, it coincides with all world religions as far as the methodology, what, what people practice culturally is up to them. The, the interesting thing with Paul coming out and, and my relationship with the church and his relationship was, at that point in space and time, I had a leadership position that was with the church and its youth. And we had certain programs that involved separating the sexes and going away for an extended period of time. And the purpose of that was to rise above body consciousness, body attachments, attachments to the world, and completely, completely focus on spiritual self and then how spiritual self integrates with life in the world. Yeah. And it was becoming apparent that in our programs, the, the women who were gay and the men who were gay were becoming a distraction on some level to a lot of the, not a lot, some of the participants in the program and because it was a small pool of people just a uh, hundred and thirty some odd youngsters and um, young adults it it um it rippled so the management felt that the best thing to do would be to create as much an environment as possible to have the desired result able to come to fruition. And they asked if gay people would not attend the program. So that's how Paul was approached by me and asked not to attend a program that he had attended for, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years, you know? And um, so it, it became, um, and I, I, can't, I can only speak a little bit for Paul, but it became a, a big divisive element in this program, you know, almost to the point where, you know, the program didn't exist, you know, a few years later. Could it be said it did, didn't exist because of this? I don't know. But um, it didn't exist. So th this is, um, 
you know, this is just how things have to evolve until the middle ground can be met with higher consciousness as time goes on. So dad, the reason that I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing that story is that it really brings it back to this space where everyone goes through some sort of piece of, mm, for, for what I felt like, you know, just separation when you come out. And I'm really grateful that you are willing to be so open about this piece because it, it reminds everyone that regardless of whether or not you have parents who just say, oh, okay, you know, you're gay, that's great. Or you have parents that say, kick you out of the house. Like we all go through hardships when it comes to being different. And it, it's not right, it's not wrong, it just is. And I think that's something that you say a lot and, and it really resonates with me. And yeah, it was really, it was really painful for me. But the reason it was painful was because the, the time that you and I spent together at that, that church thing was some of my most cherished, cherished memories. So it almost felt like it was being ripped away from me for being truly, truly me. And it didn't make sense. But I don't really want to focus on that. I just really wanted to know, like, I would love to know, like, what you were going through at that moment, knowing that, like, you kind of had to take away this connection that you and your son had I could share that with you um, at that moment I had to make a choice my choice was I could have protected you and stepped down from my position because in the position I was in I took a vow to to uphold the what the um, organization put forth, and um, I, I decided that I was going to keep the vow. Um, or, and my thought was a greater service, a greater value, was being upheld if I stayed and tried to help navigate with love, attunement to the guru, common sense, through some of these waters that, you know, that people don't know how to deal with them. You know, I mean, people still don't know how to deal with them in society. It, it's, uh, it, you know, this is... Um, this is a very confusing time. I'm gonna fast forward to our trip. One of the memorable moments was when we passed Julius Bar mm -hmm. on the Stonewall tour, which was a is a bar where older gay men hung out. And um, the um, in the in the late '60s. The, the rules, the obscenity laws were so ridiculous. And the laws about serving liquor and, and other things to, to gay people were ridiculous. And in order to bring to the fore how ridiculous it was, some people brought the press in to the bar past a certain time where the barkeeper would potentially lose his license and have to close the bar if he served alcohol. You remember this. And, um, and boom, you know, there, there's the situation. I, I own a bar, this is what I do, but is my livelihood more important than my principles? And of course, the principles were more important to that barkeeper and that helped, you know, spawn a movement. It's fantastic. So look uh, at you taking history and applying it to your life. I love that. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Well, before we go any further with this, I think it's a perfect time to play a road trip game. Okay. Now, Dad, you love to sing. I love to sing. We're just a singing family. Uh, a little known fact about my dad is that he was in a rock and roll band when I was a little, little boy. Him and his buddies would come over and they they just play in the garage all day and and uh, you know he he's he's living vicariously through me sometimes, or, and sometimes most of the time I'm living vicariously through him. Let's be real. So I want to play the, the. You're probably going to win this game too. Uh, basically, what it is is we'll choose a word, okay. and then and Tracy uh, a couple weeks ago she taught me this game where we choose a word and we have to sing a song that has that word in it. And we go until someone gets stumped. And you're just like, uh, you, so do you, you get it? Yeah, I get it. Okay, get it. so I'll let you choose the word. Infallible. Come on. <laughs> do you, you know a word with infa- a song with infallible in it? Yeah, I do. Oh, are you going to make it up? Yeah, of course. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, you lost lost your shot at getting to choose the word. So uh, I'm going to choose a word, and it is going to be... um, uh, There are so many words to choose. Um, mm, Happiness? I have to sing a song of happiness? No problem. Okay. Happiness is a warm gun. Happiness is a warm gun. Happiness is two kinds of ice cream. La la. la. <laughs> you lost. No, that's a, that's, a that's a song. Okay, now you have to choose a different word. Okay. That's not infallible. Okay. Okay. Impossible. Okay. Okay, I got it. Impossible. Things are happening every day. To dream the impossible dream. To fight the unwinnable fight. Ah. <laughs> uh. Isn't it impossible? Impossible. Me and you, impossible. You know that song? No. Me neither. Me neither. I don't know it either, unfortunately. Oh, man. That was too much fun. Yeah, we, we keep going, but I think that we're going to take it back. That was, that was a blast. Uh, so, Dad. Yeah. So now it's nearly been ten years since I came out. How would you say that our relationship has changed since I first came out till now? Oh, well, first of all, you you found the love of your life, Richard. Um, you caused me almost to have near back surgery and getting my house ready for your <sighs> wedding. And <laughs> if you're not watching on YouTube, go to YouTube and see my eye roll at that moment. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, Richard is the yin to your yang. So you've, um, you've, you've come into balance, you know? I mean, you've come into balance now. In the beginning, I mean, you're... I was nervous, you know, because you discovered your newfound, you know, sexual expression and um, your discrimination at that point in space and time. It left a few um, loose screws in my head. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, OK, you know, um, I, I was hoping that you weren't going to become a statistic. Mm. This is something that a lot of parents struggle with and and, you know, that at that point, my dad was starting to embrace that as the father of three kids, that instead of giving them advice, because he felt like they never took it, he was going to be the beacon. He was just going to do, he was just going to lead and shine his light the way we were meant to go, but not ever even say anything. So I thought 
that you loved all of those choices I made. You were so supportive. I, you know what? I was supportive. Um, no, seriously, I was supportive of them. And that is part of being the beacon. The, the beacon is really, it's like the lighthouse. You know, you just, you shine the light and, and you give people a chance to just see right. uh, without leading them. Because they, they, that just creates a whole bunch of resent. That's, that's it. And, I, and I, I wanted to actually bring that up about the resentment because I feel as though having heard, this is really a very powerful conversation for me because having heard how, what you were going through at the time that I came out with the church and everything, and I know that if you would have stepped down, you may have re resented me because of the, the way that it affected your the, the way you fit into the church and and like you said this is the path that's meant to be taken and and the journey that we're all on and the lessons that we all need to learn and if you're listening to this and either and you have an opportunity to take a step back from feeling like you need to lead in a way that is telling people what to do like just live your life and hopefully by living your life to the best of your ability for by living your life to a point where you have the ability to just love it and love everyone around you unconditionally i think that's really what the beacon is it's a, a beacon of love and hope and and success and excitement would you agree first of all um that was highly insightful you know what you said because uh, I've never cognized it before. Yeah, so, me neither. So if I never cognized it before and, and it's ringing a bell, it, it's highly insightful. Because the, the great joy, the great universal joy in my life has been being able to share what I've discovered on the inside with others and, and to, in some way, shine the light on the, the ability that everyone has, everyone has, to do the same in their own life. And if, if perchance, you know, if perchance my sticking my neck out for you solo, would have derailed my ability to do that. You're, you're right. I would have probably had some sort of resentment in the moment. Ho hopefully I'm big enough to work through it. You know, hopefully I'm big enough. But this, um, this is, you know, th this is a very, very good discussion because it also shows how you, have grown into the position that you're in and you have empathy for so many people because of the experiences you've gone through. As you like to always tell me, the journey is perfect. The journey is perfect. There is no rear view mirror if, 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 if. The journey is perfect. It's what we make of ourselves now. And if we're, we're unwilling to learn the lessons, right? Like for the lesson that maybe you were meant to te be taught is like delivery in a different way. And I think this is something that you've passionately worked on in, in your life is delivering this powerful message that you have in a way that you have empathy for the other person. Like when you told me that I couldn't come to youth camp it was literally like I, the second time I came out, it wasn't in person. I sent an email because it was just like, okay, we're gonna hear this again. Uh, that's for for another another podcast. But uh, the response that I got was, well, just so you know, you can't come to the the church program anymore, and that now might not have been the way that you delivered it because in your mind you were just protecting everything and and just 
quick band-aid off and and it's how it was meant to be and i know that there's lessons to be learned from all parties yeah yeah what what you first of all um these these experiences really unpleasant you know mm-hmm. i mean really unpleasant yeah i mean for for anyone who's listening to this imagine having to tell someone you love so much you love them so much that because of their core sexuality they cannot participate in something well i mean it it there is no easy way to do that there is no easy way to do it however however i always knew with paul that he had such a sweetness his whole life he had such a sweetness that when you just if you take a rose and you crush it in your hand and you open it up it might be all mushy but it smells like a rose and 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 paul is you know paul he's big and he, and he's he's bigger than any circumstance and bigger than any negativity that comes his way he's always going to push through So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we went to New York and we went on the, the, the trip and, and we went on this beautiful tour all around Stonewall and, and dad, you had this really cool, like aha moment with history and how uprising always seems to have to come from violence. And, and I would love if you can what how do you think being the beacon how do you think we can all get to a place where uprisings and change and change for better doesn't have to come from violence well it's interesting but the two masters of this in the 20th century mahatma gandhi and martin luther king were both murdered they were assassinated and but if you look at their methodology the the template's been set already it just takes an enormous amount of perseverance and passion for the goal by a group of people then a larger group of people and then an even larger group of people and love and compassion will always win out over anger and fear. Love and compassion will always win out over anger and fear. Mm. That is indisputable. It really is. You just sit and take that in for a little. I love that. Well, it's time for our next road trip game, which I love playing with all my guests because it sometimes catches people off guard, but I think that it's a a fun and fresh way to connect with people. So we're going to play Fuck, Mary Kill, Dad, okay? And we're not going to do it with people. Like, I don't need a PR scandal here. We're going to do it with 
ideas, concepts, inanimate objects. So I recently played Fuck, Mary Kill with the past, the present, and the future. So you have to choose one concept, the past, present, and future, that you'd fuck, one that you would marry, and one that you would kill. Well, that, that's... Um... I was, like, making it really hard. No, 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 no. Um, you should be married to your present. Your present is the best actualized moment. It is. Because you don't know what the future is going to bring. And if you're not better than you were in the past, then, well... There's your man right here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say, I would say, I would kill the past. Uh, and for me to say that, being a strong sentimentalist, is, um, is hard. But I'll tell you why. Be, because the past becomes glossier and more glamorous as you get older because your memory gets selective. Mm -hmm. Your memory gets selective. You just, oh, wow, the past. You're thinking of 10 minutes within a day that had another 23 hours and 50 minutes of unpleasantness. But the memory gets selective. So kill the past, marry the present, and obviously, <laughs> yes, the future. Oh, oh the, he, he gets embarrassed now. Can't even say the word. <laughs> Can't even say the word. Oh, man. I remember when we were growing up and, like, for a while, Dad tried really hard not to cuss in front of the kids. and Because every time, Mom would be like, don't say those words. And then one day, I was just like, well, fuck that shit. I'm going to start cussing in front of the kids. And now now it's just, the, the kids still don't cuss, though. I think it's just. No, you, you know, my, the, the, my kids, um, they're like, they're, they're, they're good examples of their, their upbringing. You know, I mean. <laughs> I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Um, for for a future a future reference. Yeah. So the the future. The, the future is worthless to even think about, um, as far as the the skeletal and the organs. You can maybe get to the skin of it, what it might look like, but what's making the future tick, ah. Uh, it, it, it's incredibly hard to uh, to figure out. So forget about it. Screw it. Screw it. Well, Dad, I just have a couple of more questions for you. Okay. I would love to know, what does self-love mean to you? Okay. Um, self-love to me is being able to generate within yourself enough positive energy that what you give off to the rest of the world brings them greater joy and love and peace. So it starts with you. It starts with you. That's it. Is there anything else that you feel called to share on the road to self-love? Um, those of you who, you know, partake in Paul's experience with you, it'll always be changing. It'll always be growing. It'll always be striving for a, a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning, and, and a greater expression of that energy within that creates a better world. And um, a, a little bit of Paul can go a lot, you know? Uh, a little bit of Paul can go very, very far. So, and I'm not just promoting him, 
Um, we recently took a walk in New York City and he brought to my consciousness things that I always knew, but I didn't have the framework around it to see what what ensnarement I was getting myself into. And that that moment was very, very liberating, you know? So um, I'm deeply grateful for him for that. <laughs> well, no, I'm not going to cry, so don't worry about that. Oh, well, it was, it was a really special moment, Dad. I've been, uh, you know, the, the thing about what I do is, is I'm, by being hired to be someone's coach or being hired to create an environment where someone has the ability to give themselves permission to love themselves unconditionally, it's, uh, it, it gives me the opportunity to step fully into my beaconism. Is that a word? Yeah, <laughs> it is it now. Is now. <laughs> it is now. And, you know, it. these are things that we all see about others, but until it's asked of, of me, like when you asked me to support you, I just felt overjoyed and so honored to be, be seen in that light that I could do that. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to support you and the world to me. Well... The, the greatest product that a parent can produce is a, is a child that's a greater contributor of positive energy to the world than the parent has been mm-hmm. his self or herself. Mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone talks about my belief, religious, political, societal, whatever it is, But in the end, what they leave, if they have a family or their children, and all of their energy, if channeled properly into their children to become better people than they were, that's the greatest contribution a Mm. person could make. Wow. Well, on that note, I think it's a perfect time to thank everyone so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this. Dad, thank you so much for joining me. This this is one of my favorite episodes to date that I've recorded. It's really special to have you here on the road to self-love with me. And I, I just couldn't be more grateful to have you as a father. So thank you for being here. It's been a joy for me too. And, and it's a pleasure supporting Paul and watching the good work that's being done through all of you who are watching. Well, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next time on the road to self-love. Wow. I don't know about you, but there were multiple times where I had to hold back tears when listening back to this. You know, we're told that the parents' greatest teacher are their children. And the thing about this is that it takes a very special human to to be willing to learn from their children. And this has been an ongoing journey for not only my dad, but if you are a child, your parents. And if you are a parent, your children. There's, there's no right or wrong way to be you. I just ask you to take this episode as an opportunity to introspect. Consider how you can have a relationship on a different level with your parents, with your children, even your friends and other members of your family. Thank you so much for being here to experience this life-changing episode with me. I would love it if you subscribe, rate, and review the show. Share it with friends and family. It's... It's going to do so much for the world, getting this message out there of love and light, peace, acceptance, and just doing your best. I will see you next week for another episode of The Road to Self-Love. And happy Pride Month. It's a beautiful time to celebrate 
being proud of who you are, regardless of your sexual orientation, regardless of your individuality. Be proud of who you are. I love you, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.